my audience loves stories. They are hungry for stories. They might come to me for copywriting or help with their business, but what they're really hungry for and what everyone is really hungry for is great storytelling, is to be entertained and inspired and have some sort of emotion um, aroused when they read my stuff. Welcome to Social Post, a podcast brought to you by Meet Edgar. Each week, we bring you a guest to inspire your creativity, breathe new life into your marketing strategy, and get you motivated to take action in your business. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll walk away feeling like you took your social media marketing multivitamin. Enjoy the interview and remember, what's possible for them is possible for you. And we can't wait to see your success. Welcome back to Social Post. Thanks for joining today. And we are lucky to be joined by Laura Belgrave from Talking Shrimp today. Laura is an expert copywriter, and I am so excited for you guys to get some tips and tricks to improve your copy and stand out in your newsletters and social media. So let's start out by having Laura introduce herself. And how about tell us first and foremost where you got the name Talking Shrimp? Yeah, <laughs> it's such an unsexy story to start out with. Well, I'm Laura Belgray, founder of Talking Shrimp, um, which has been around since 2009 when my accountant, the accountant I share with my husband, told us that um, because we'd gotten so reamed in taxes after getting married that we should incorporate and <laughs> that would help. So he said, uh, you know, choose a company name, preferably something with an available URL and uh and i'll incorporate you and so we went through a bunch of choices that could apply to either of us or neither of us and anything or nothing and wouldn't you know it talking shrimp had not been taken yet so i that love was that story <laughs> i had no intention of it being my business i didn't like i wasn't looking to start a business i was writing promos for tv i had a pretty cushy gig, like a, a six-figure contract, and some a couple of freelance clients in that area. And, you know, I thought, well, okay, since I have the URL, maybe I'll put up a site to just to promote my spots, my reel, like I can host my reel on it and send it to potential clients if I start looking for more freelance clients um, in TV. And so that's all I intended to do with it. And then um, long story short, my friend Marie Forleo, who we all know, um, who was partners with, uh, with Laura Roeder, um, or was about to be, said to me, she was like, well, if you're putting up a site, uh, you're going to have a blog, right? And I was like, mm, isn't it too late to have a blog? It's 2009. And she was like, never you moron. You've got to have a blog. Plus, you love to write. So have a blog. And then she said, what's going to be your opt-in? And I said, my what in? And she took out a legal yellow pad. This is pre-B-school. Um, took out a yellow pad and diagrammed on it, like how an opt-in works. She was like, you're going to sign up for the service called AWeber. And then you're going to offer a thing. And people are going to put in their emails. And when they do, um, you are going to send them a confirmation email. She, she diagrammed the whole thing out for me. And I was like, fine, I'll put it. <laughs> on my site and I did that and started building my list I didn't know to what end at the time 
Um, but I'm so glad that I did that because here we are and now I have a business talking shrimp. I no longer write TV stuff at all. My entire business, my entire world became online entrepreneurs and online marketing and boom. So that's more of a story than you probably asked for. Oh my um, God. Oh, <laughs> I love this idea of even you thinking I'm too late to block because I feel like this is in everyone's mind before we start anything. Is that like, oh, it's been done before. It's too late. So that was an incredibly inspirational way to start out. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so once you took those steps to actually get that blog going and to get familiar with how you build a newsletter through opt-ins and all of that stuff, it seems like you've grown on every social network. I see your brand having a ton of engagement. Can you talk a little bit about how social media fits in with your um, writing these days, what your favorite network to connect with people are on and why that is? Yeah, sure. So. You know, I, I'm mostly on Instagram. I originally, it was just Facebook. Actually, originally, originally, no, it started with Facebook. I got on there in like 2009. My sister was like, you should get on Facebook. And I didn't understand what it was at all. And I <laughs> got on there and immediately somebody was like, you know, somebody I knew was like, welcome to Facebook. I was like, how did you know I was here? This is freaky. Um, so I started with Facebook, then Twitter. And I actually took, um, I took Laura Roeders. She had a, a webinar. This was the first time I'd ever heard the word webinar even. And um, I bought it and it was a, you know, how to use Twitter webinar. I remember her saying like, you know that they call me the tweeter? She was known for teaching Twitter to people. She was, t you know, the, the Twitter teacher. So I took that and got set up on uh, Twitter Love that for a while. I wish I had been as active there as I was in the beginning because now I'd have a huge following. It's pretty, it's fairly minimal there. And I feel like the really, like, I feel there, I feel a lot like the loser trying to sit at the table with the cool kids. Um, and, but I try. And Instagram, I feel very at home. And that's what I use mostly for talking shrimp. And it's the place that I've been able to leverage most to get people onto my email list. And that is always the goal for me. Um, email, email is my number one platform. That is my social platform. That is, that's the one I believe everybody should be focused on. Um, even if, you know, even if they're also focusing on the, the real social platforms as a means to get people on their email list. But I feel like that is where people are the most engaged with you. You send out something, if you put out something on Instagram or Facebook saying like, I'm having a webinar or I'm selling this thing, a few, you know, you won't get that many likes. First of all, people don't like commercial stuff that much. And um, you just won't get as much engagement. You'll get some and you should put it there. But then you say the same thing to your list and they go bonkers. And that's where all the engagement comes from. That's where all the clicks come from. At least that's my experience. So that's, I'd be like, my business would be dead without email, I think. 
Yeah, that's so interesting using that social media and just driving it to your emails. And I can imagine just from knowing and reading a lot of your emails um, that it is an incredibly personal experience when those things show up in people's inboxes because you have this incredible way of taking personal stories from your own life and actually putting them into an email and then making a cool transition that it actually has a business outcome. So I've seen you do this with stuff that's just like you sitting outside of a grocery store eating a pickle or something to like <laughs> you having like a question or like an argument with your husband and somehow it always relates back to business. So is there some special formula that you use to identify these things in your life that come up or how do you make that a something if we aren't familiar with taking personalized stories and transitioning them into business? How do you do that so, so well? Yeah, I mean, it, there are two different ways. Sometimes it's reverse engineered. And what I mean by that is um, I will start with a, a call to action that I want to put in the email and think what story could go with this? What story could show it, could prove it, could lead up to it naturally? Um, and for that, some of, like I, I try to keep a bank of stories in Evernote. Whenever something funny happens um, or something noteworthy, I write it down. And so there's that. And then sometimes I sit down to write my email and I almost always write them day of on the fly. And I'll think like, what happened, you know, in the last couple of days that I feel like talking about or what story have I been wanting to tell? And I'll tell it and then feel, and then kind of feel out like, where can this lead? Uh, what can I connect this to? Um, am I connecting it to the things I just sell on Evergreen all the time? Like by default, there's always 60 minute makeovers, my copywriting mini course, um, and my about page builder. Those are two mini products that I sell all the time. So that's my default. Like when in doubt, find a way to connect it to that. Um, you know, if my story is something about like end of the day or something that I, something that was requested of me by the end of the day, for instance, I'll, I'll connect it to, do you need better copy by the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Um, then get my 60 minute makeovers copywriting mini course. So I'm sort of, I'm practiced at it. I'm practiced at making those connections, especially with the things that I sell regularly. Um, but I think that is what it's all about. And really that's like, that, that is the root of intelligence is, and creativity is finding connections where they're not obvious. So yeah, that's where, you know, you can get really creative and sometimes it's an awkward segue and sometimes it's a natural one. Like an awkward segue will be like, speaking of nothing, um, have you seen my thing? And like, speaking of absolutely nothing, are you signed up for my five secrets to non-sucky coffee? Get them here, like link in bio. That might be something that I put on, on Instagram, for instance. And sometimes they're smooth. Very cool. I love that. So if someone isn't super familiar with your brand and they just signed up for your email list and they're not super excited to open just knowing it's from you, are there any other tips that you can give for people starting out on a newsletter, whether it's like time of day that you send your emails or subject lines that you see open, get better open rates than others? How can we take some of these sort of more boring aspects than the creative writing of the email and actually optimize them in order to get our emails open more oh my gosh well i think they're the least boring part of it like i love writing i love writing subject lines and i always do it at the 
um, almost always at the end of the email. I sort of, like I, I'm an active campaign right now. That's what I use for emails. And it requires me to put in the subject line when I'm like to, to start an email. And I was like, I don't know yet. And I'll put in a placeholder. And then I come back to it based on what I wrote in the email. But um, so there are three things that get people to open your emails. One that you just referred to is trust. Uh, you know, when people, once people know you and you've built trust with them and they know that they're going to open something good um, because you've, you have a track record with them, that's great. So they, you know, it, like in the long term, they'll kind of, they'll tend to open it no matter what you send, if you send great emails. Um, and then the, you know, the next two, these are really the first two. Uh, subject lines and that's the one that you hear about all the time that you also just mentioned it takes a great you know a good subject line to get people to open your email to stand out in their inbox um, and for that I like to uh, first of all I always put it in either sentence case or low or all lowercase as opposed to title case Title case is when the first letter of each word is capitalized and it looks like a title and that makes it look like a newsletter and that makes it look like it's not from a friend, it's from a company. Um, and I have no responsibility to open it. Maybe I'll open it later, but it doesn't catch my eye and it doesn't feel personal and immediate. So I, make, I try to make the subject lines look casual, um, look like they came from a friend. And then I try to put some sort of curiosity, um, urgency, and tension in them. For instance, um, you know, here's the difference between one that's not evoking curiosity and one that is. The, the one that's not might say, why bananas have the most potassium? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you think that it's arousing curiosity because you put in the word why. I don't care why. Like you've just told me bananas have the most potassium. It's not a good story. But if you said, what's cheap, yellow, and stops leg cramps? Then I'm like, oh, now I'm interested. I mean, depending on why I signed up for your emails. Um, and even if I know the answer, if, even if I'm like, oh, it's bananas, I know that. I'm still going to open it just to see that I'm right. You know what I'm saying so I I always try to like my probably most open one ever maybe was have to cancel and then it was a like a little frowny face um, because something like that has tension it feels immediate it feels like it's from a friend even if you know objectively like you kn you know cognitively that this is a newsletter that it went to lots of people, but the other part of your brain is saying, oh, that's from my friend, like she has to cancel, what? And you open it up. And then it was all about how I love when somebody has to cancel. I love canceled plans. Um, so you want some kind of conflict, some kind of friction or tension in that subject line. That's, that always gets things open. So casual, intimate, full of conflict, like a little bit of conflict. Um, and then the third thing that I alluded to that gets your emails opened is, and I don't hear anybody else talking about this ever, I never have, is preview text. So some platforms, um, some uh, email service providers like ActiveCampaign, which I, I said I'm using now, um, has a form 
to put in your preview text to customize it. Some like ConvertKit, which I used to use, and I miss by the way, I love ConvertKit. Um, there you, you need just a little bit of HTML code and you put it in and you fill in the preview text. And then it also preview text is those first lines that you see under the subject line in, you know, in your email application. Um, so you probably see more lines of it on your desktop than you do on your phone. It's always worth checking both. Like whenever I write an email, I send it to myself, I send a test and I see whether the preview text also makes me want to open the email. So sometimes the subject line alone doesn't do the trick. And if it doesn't do the trick, maybe the preview text does. So you don't want to, and you want to make sure that you don't waste that real estate with the default stuff like, you know, um, tw copyright 2020, all rights reserved, can't see this in, you know, email, uh, click here to see it in browser. All that garbage is a waste of your, is a waste of the preview text and tells us immediately that's an email. I mean, sorry, that's a newsletter. So not from a friend, don't need to open it. And then another mistake um, that a lot of people make is when they leave it as the default and don't customize the preview text is that the first few lines that you see are the same as the subject line. So it'll say like, how to be happier. And then it'll say how to be happier in the preview text. And again, that's not only is that a waste of that real estate, but it tells our brains, this is a newsletter. And again, we can ignore it for the time being. Maybe we'll get to it later. So that's, those are, those are the ways that I get people to open my emails. And from the very start, you can build trust by having a great welcome sequence. So uh, I think a, a welcome sequence is key to getting people who don't know you yet and don't know that you send great emails to start opening your emails. And you want to put your best subject lines and give your best stuff in that sequence of emails um, to make people say, to build that trust and make people say, I'm going to open, new, open anything that you send me. That makes so much sense. And I love how much psychology goes into thinking about this in a way that you're just speaking with people who don't want to be sold to and just building those <laughs> relationships. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, cool. So we've chatted a little bit about you loving to engage on Instagram and actually building a newsletter to sell your courses, but I know you also have a book coming out. So this seems like a different avenue in your business than actually teaching copywriting. Can you talk about how your newsletter and your social media presence actually helped you not only gain a book deal, but um, what you're going to do with it after that book comes out and how these all fit together? Yeah, sure. So I knew going into this that, um, especially once I started writing the proposal and getting help with the proposal, that my platform was everything um, in for getting a book deal. A book deal because I don't have like this is going to be memoir. It's called Tough Titties. It's coming out in summer of 2022, and it's really a coming of age story that I would say is a coming of age, a New York coming of age story that gives you permission to live your best life when you're the bleeping worst. I'm not going to curse on your podcast because I didn't ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> F-bombing worst. worst. So um, it is not, first of all, it's not the kind of memoir like, say, uh, educated um, that has this immediate hook 
that publishers are going to grab onto like, holy crap, you were, you know, you went to school in the Appalachians and, you know, weren't supposed to go to school. Uh, it's not a story like that. It's not a blank memoir. It's not a memoir of like, you know, falling down a, uh, a crevasse on in the mountain and having to saw my arm off. So, um, so I knew that platform would be everything and some form like showing that I achieved some form of success would be everything because that's, you know, that's what publishers want to see. Most of all, they want to see that you're going to be able to sell your book to an audience, that you have an audience who wants it. So um, that's, you know, I, for the last year or two, I've been, I've had that in mind. Like, okay, I really need to build a following and I need to be engaging with these people also and these people also and keep working on building my platform. Um, so everyone, you know, there's a lot of talk about how it's vanity numbers, you know, your, your followers, your number of subscribers, et cetera, but not to a publisher. So it, you know, meant some, and I don't have a huge platform, but I think to like my email list is, you know, I've been saying in my proposal, 20 something thousand, it's now up to about 30,000, but um, that's not enormous. And my, uh, what you want, my Instagram following is not enormous, but it is in the eyes of a publisher who I guess, you know, see proposals from authors every day who are like, I have, you know, 2000 followers on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So, so that's how it has tied in to, that's how it has tied into getting a book deal and also being able to say, my audience loves stories. They are hungry for stories. They might come to me for copywriting or help with their business, but what they're really hungry for and what everyone is really hungry for is great storytelling, is to be entertained and inspired and have some sort of emotion um, aroused when they read my stuff. And so they, even though this book is not a business book, it is not a how-to, and I refuse to write a how-to because it's not the kind of writing I want to do, they're still going to want it. They, you know, people are saying to me every day, I wish you had a book. And they don't necessarily mean a book of copywriting tips, though some of them might wish that. And I'm not, that's, that's what the copy cure is for. My course, The Copy Cure with Marie Forleo, like that's where I teach everything. And I don't, you know, I don't want to write a book on that. I want to write a book of stories. So that's how it's all tying in. And I'm not sure how having the book will help my business. Um, I don't know specifically how. I just think that it's going to open doors that I'm not expecting. And, and it's something I've always wanted to do. So it is a strange tie-in. It's really a non-tie-in, but it's a tie-in because that's kind of what I do is I don't do things the way I'm supposed to. And so it fits into the theme of the book and the theme of my brand. I love that so much. And it's really fascinating these days how social media is kind of the place where publishers and others go to vet if your audience is so engaged. And it all goes back to what you're speaking to with trust. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, so I would love just to end here at Me Egger, we are all about efficiency, being a social media automation tool, and you having a copy QR course, having an amazing newsletter list, and now writing a book seem like someone who is on top of productivity. So can you leave our audience as we wrap up here 
with a couple of the ways that you keep yourself so productive and um, producing all of this great content, um, any sort of efficiency tips or any way that you structure your workday that's super helpful? Oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, I'm terrible. Uh, no one would ever call me efficient. Maybe, maybe productive, but I would say more prolific. So, because my day is generally all over the place. Um, I'm not great with time, with deadlines for that I make for myself. I'm always kind of pushing them a little bit, but I am good at putting out an email three times a week, um, almost every week. It's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And you know, writing at least a couple of posts for social, for Instagram. Um, so my tip for being prolific, um, first of all, is I like to write in 750words.com every day. So that gets that kind of, that's a, that is a web um, platform that it's not an app. It's a, like, so it's just in your browser and it's a place to journal and it keeps track of your words. And when you hit 750, which is supposedly some magic number, it turns the, the um, numbers at the bottom turn green and show you you hit 750. And that's usually when I stop and, and hit save. And so I love doing that because it gets the garbage out of my head. It creates new ideas, like as I'm writing on days when I think I have nothing to say, usually something comes up in that morning journaling. And usually that's what I will create from. Like, oh, that's a good thing to talk about. I'll talk about that. And um, another tip for being prolific is just being yourself and being obsessed with expressing yourself. And I think that once you, once you start doing that and, um, and it becomes second nature and it becomes a habit and it gets responses from people, it gets the replies and the engagement that is so gratifying, you just wanna keep doing it. It's a little bit of an addiction, but I think it's a really good addiction. Like I'm addicted to putting stuff out there that people respond to. I think it's, you know, it's sort of like why actors love doing theater um, above, you know, as opposed to TV or movies, because they're not in a vacuum. They're there, and they get a, they get an almost, they get an a truly immediate response from the audience. With emails, you get, you know, a slightly delayed response, but it's really gratifying. And same with, um, same with like Instagram. Although that's a little bit of a less healthy addiction, is like checking my likes constantly. But I love the relationship that those things create with, an, with my audience. And so that's how I stay prolific and you know, productive is by being a little bit obsessed with it and having fun and knowing how to put my personality into it so that it is joyful work rather than like icky feeling work or um, just a slog. Yeah, I love that. That seems like the easiest way to remind yourself that writer's block doesn't really exist. You just need to make sure you're doing it every day and eventually something amazing is going to come out. And it's 750 words every morning to get that bad out. You're eventually going to get to the good. So I love that tip so much. Yes. Um, and yeah, just to, just to add to that, um, when you write with 
you know, what, what I call, like volume, being prolific is writing, writing in volume or creating in volume and over and over and little bits every day. You have so much less pressure to be epic, mm. uh, to say everything that you need to say or say something incredible, so much less pressure and so much greater chance that something eventually, as you were just saying, will be fantastic but it doesn't come from waiting around to be inspired. The more you write, the more you write, the more you create, the more you create. So doing it in volume, doing it prolifically really helps your chances of doing something great and takes the pressure off from doing something really great. So I'm, I am very pro that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for inspiring our audience, hopefully, to get out there and actually just start creating and seeing it what works and experimenting with growing your audience for whatever your goals are. This has been an amazingly fun chat. Um, Laura, if you would like to just go ahead and let people know where they can connect with you, if they have more that they want to learn about copywriting, um, where they can reach you online or for your newsletter, um, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So please come to TalkingShrimp.com. You will see multiple ways to get on my list, but you can, you know, sign up just for my emails. Or if you look around the page, you can sign up for Five Secrets to Non-Sucky Copy. You can also go right to TalkingShrimp.com slash secrets for that one. And you'll also see my 33 non-sucky subject lines. So those are my 33 most open subject lines and four that tanked. And I'll explain why they tanked and how yours can not tank. Um, and that's also on the, on the homepage, but you can also find it at talkingshrimp.com slash subject lines, all one word. Amazing. And then Amazing. Instagram, Instagram, I'm talking shrimp NYC. Not just talking shrimp because some person already took that and didn't want to give it up even though she had 39 followers and that never used that. Talking shrimp and Oh man, that is amazing. All of these subject line titles and stuff for your books just make me want to go out and grab them. So thank you for sharing that. Guys, if you have any other questions, go ahead and tweet or connect with us on Instagram. We are at me Edgar. Tune back in next Wednesday for another episode of Social Post. And Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. And sorry, I'll add Twitter. I'm El Belgray. So please come find me there and I won't be a loser anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to keep the conversation going with us on social. We're at Meet Edgar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And don't forget to tag us. Visit www.meetedgar.com and start a free trial to up-level your social media marketing strategy today. Happy posting.